What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Oasis Podcast. Oasis is the college and young adult ministry at Park West Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. Come hang out with us if you're ever in the area on a Thursday night. We'd love to meet you face to face. If you don't already, make sure you follow us on social media at Oasis PWC to stay updated with everything going on here with the Oasis family. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message. Let's jump in. All right, if you've got your Bibles with you, we're going to go to John chapter 15. We started a sermon series um, titled, You Asked For It, and then very quickly got off of the sermon series. And the reason for that is because the good Lord is moving. Excuse me while I pour myself a glass of ice water. And all of y'all that are parched are like, what? But we started a sermon series and I got off of it pretty quick. Um, because God said so. So we may get back to it in a minute. Some of y'all wrote in, and uh, you know what you wrote in, and you were ready to hear answers for the questions that you gave. If you're new here, what we did a few weeks ago, we put a phone number up on the screen that people could text questions that they had. What, did you, what do you want to hear in church? What do you wish we talked about in church? We're probably going to get back to that sermon series next week. But tonight, I'm going to pivot. I'm going to go another direction. And I'm going to preach a message titled, I Need More. Turn to your neighbor and say, I need more. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to go to the Gospel of John. This has kind of become the theme verse for Oasis over the last three years or so. John chapter 15, verse 5. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. I need more. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for the incredible group of people in the room with me tonight. Thank you that everybody's here on purpose for a purpose. God, thank you that you have something planned for every individual in the room, I believe, including myself. God, I think there is something that you want to do tonight, Holy Spirit, something that you want to do that is different, that is unique, and that is individual. So as we declared earlier, you're not done yet. You're not done with me, you're not done with them, and we give you permission to do whatever you want to do tonight, as radical and wild as a prayer can be. In Jesus' name, that everybody said? Amen. Amen. Okay, we've got a lot of different people present in the house tonight. We've got people that grew up here at Park West, we've got people that grew up in different denominations. We've got Methodist, Baptist, Pentecostal, Church of God, Assemblies of God, we've got it all represented here in the house tonight, and that makes me so happy. Some of you grew up in church, some of you didn't. I'm a product of this church. I actually grew up here, and I joke that I stayed around so long they brought me on staff. That's kind of how it feels. But I grew up here at the church. I am privileged to have cried many tears in these altars right here in services where God just got a hold of me. Jordan that was playing drums tonight, we have been right here doing this right here for a long time. And I don't want to tell you how long because I don't want you to know how old I am. Jordan's been doing it longer than I have. Just going to say that. But at least since middle school, both of us have been in here. And middle school was a long time ago, church. Middle school was a long time ago. But everybody's got a different background. And, and I think... If you want to know where you're going, you've got to know where you came from. A lot of times stuff happens and there's drama and there's beef and we're like, put that in a closet. I don't want to think about it anymore, right? But your heritage matters. How can you know where you're going if you don't know where you've been? 
Well, tonight, I want to introduce you to some of the history of the church that we're under. Not just Park West Church of God, but the Church of God in general. Many of you, including myself until recently, I had no idea what the history of the Church of God was. Recently, I went and took an exam to become an ordained bishop in our denomination, and I passed. For those of you that care, thank you. Praise God. Praise God. But in that, they ask a lot of these questions of the history of the, the denomination. So I had to study some of these things. Did you know that the denomination started in 1886 in the middle of the Appalachian Mountains? So here's what happened. A bunch of Baptist preachers and United Methodist preachers got together and said, there's got to be more. There's got to be more. Like, yeah, we've been doing church and we've been experiencing things and people have been getting saved even. But we're reading the book of Acts. And if you've ever read the book of Acts, you know exactly what I mean by we've been reading the book of Acts. And we're seeing all of these miracles happen. And the disciples are walking around and people are getting healed and people are speaking in other tongues and praise and worship and prophetic words. And all these things are happening. Well, a handful of these pastors in the middle of nowhere in the Appalachian Mountains got together. And you know what happened? Revival. There were two things that happened right here at the beginning. They got together and they said, I don't care who gets the credit. Baptist, Methodist, doesn't matter. In fact, they never intended to start a denomination. At the, at the beginning, they called it the movement. Because they didn't want it to be one particular thing that got the, the glory for it. Let's just all get together and pray and see what God does. And that's what happened. Revival happened. The second thing that they did, though was holiness, was like a huge thing. And in the church world now, this like relationship over religion stuff, right? And ever, you're telling all your friends that with good reason because the whole like religion junk is a mess and a half. And I'm totally on board with that. But there was a movement that was pure, that the heart behind it was, God, you can take whatever you want from me because I just want what you have. So this idea of sanctification, of consecration, all these big churchy words, at its core, it's basically just you can take all the stuff, I don't even care. I don't care if I don't do this, 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 or talk to these seven people, or deal with all the drama. You can take the TV shows that I shouldn't watch. You can take all the stuff, whatever, that's totally fine. I just want to see what you want me to see. I want to see your glory. So these people from different denominations got together and they did those two things. They said, I don't care who gets the glory. Let's just get together and see what happens. And they said, God, you can take whatever you want. The Church of God denomination is founded on this wild move of the Holy Spirit. And this Pentecostal moment that started because a group of people just wanted more of God and didn't care what it looked like. So I mentioned earlier, I grew up here. In the floor, literally, I spent so much time crying right here in this floor. Yeah, and the carpet hasn't been changed. So some of you that you're like thinking about later, I would, I'd lay on your back. I wouldn't go face first. It's kind of gross. It's kind of gross. But I grew up at the youth retreats and the events, and you've heard me share some of these stories before. But I will never forget being in seventh grade at home in the middle of the night laying in the bedroom floor, drunk in the Holy Ghost. And if you've never experienced the Holy Ghost before, and I say drunk in the Holy Ghost, and you're like, what the mess is this guy talking about? I promise it's not crazy. It's all throughout Scripture. But I laid in the floor because Kim Walker Smith had just put out her version of how he loves. It was like 11 minutes long. <laughs> and if you know, you know, right? And I remember laying in the floor. I had this little, my guitarist buddies, I had this little crate 
30-watt solid-state amp that had an aux input on it. And I could plug my Zune in. Some of y'all don't know what a Zune is. Y'all, the babies in the room don't know what a Zune is, but I had a Zune. I plugged it in that thing, and I put it on repeat, and Kim Walker would just take me into the glory. And I remember laying on the floor at like 2, 3 in the morning in seventh grade, and I would lay there for a while, and I could feel the presence of God, and I would pray, and I would experience this. And I remember specifically there was one night that I tried to get up, and I couldn't. Like I physically couldn't get up. In seventh grade, nobody else there. Just in the presence of the Lord, I couldn't move. There was just this heavy glory, this goodness of God, this move of the Holy Spirit that was on me. And if I can be so just overwhelmingly honest, there is nothing I want more than for you to experience that. There is no, I remember I preached a retreat a couple years ago and I, I preached on Joseph. And if, if you've heard Joseph's story, he had this dream that he was going to be a ruler over a bunch of things and his brother sold him into slavery and things went downhill really fast. And his life was just this wild roller coaster. And there's a movie about it, Joseph King of Dreams. And there's a scene where he's in prison and a bunch of stuff has gone down and he starts singing the song, but you know better than I. And again, if you know, you know, okay. But the Lord spoke to me through that, and he said, look, I know that things are crazy, and I know that there's a lot going on right now, but you need to trust that I've got it, that I'm a good father, and that I've got it. So I preached this retreat. I'll never forget this. I was preaching this retreat, and there were probably 30 kids in the room, and the, the place was nuts. It was the first night of this little Pentecostal youth retreat, and the place was nuts. People were crying all over the place. God was moving all over the place. I hadn't even preached. I was, I was young. When I say two or three years ago, that's probably not true. It was like seven or eight years ago because I don't even think I was 20 yet. And I was preaching this retreat. I was supposed to preach the retreat because what actually was happening as I was a weeping mess over in the corner as God was moving, trying to get my life together because they were about to hand me the mic. And I was like, oh God, I don't know what's happening right now. And you're just really God, and I just love you a lot. And the, the youth pastor's like, why did we bring him? <laughs> right? Like, we took a chance on this little guy, but I don't know that this is going to work out. But I went and I preached this like 15, 20-minute mini-sermon. And I landed this plane of this story of, of Joseph. And I just told the group, look, I know that things have been up and down and life is all over the place, but God wants me to tell you that daddy's got it. And there was a little boy who um, was in middle school at the time. And the year before, his, his little brother had drowned in the lake. Um, and their family had really been through a lot. It, it was a hard time, as you can imagine. And towards the end of the service, the little boy came up to me and the youth pastor was like, hey, can I pray over the group? And I'm like, yeah, sweet. That's awesome, kid. Go pray over the group. Sounds great. Well, his dad pulled me aside afterwards, and he said, no, 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 you, you don't understand. And his dad just started weeping. He said, he's not prayed since his brother died. And I went in the back of the room, and I sat on the floor, and I cried because I had this realization of, God, if that's what this is about, sign me up. I don't want the church stuff anymore. The lights, the whatever, the hoop and holler, all the things that we, we get excited about. Man, you can take it all and give me Jesus. Take all the noise, take all the stuff, just get me to a place where I can actually experience the glory of God. Turn to your neighbor and say, I need more. 
I need more than the, the church drama. I need more than the he said, she said. I need more than all the stuff. I need the actual move of the Holy Ghost. Turn to your name. I need more. I need more. If you've got your Bibles with you, go to Ezekiel chapter 47. Y'all are quiet tonight. You're going to have to help me because I'm feeling it. Ezekiel chapter 47. It's one of my favorite passages in scripture. When we were out of town last week, the Lord started dealing with me about this again. The context, a lot of the Old Testament prophet books are really cool to read. When you get into the New Testament, there's all these powerful moves of the Holy Spirit and a lot of miracles happen, a lot of things happen in the Old Testament. Very similar, but it's done differently. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit does things through other people. In the Old Testament, a lot of times, instead of somebody like laying hands on somebody, you see these prophets have conversations with God himself. Like if you've ever read the book of Habakkuk, it's incredible because it's literally like back and forth. He says something, God says something. He says something, God says something. The God of all creation is talking to this guy. Ezekiel is awesome because there's all these visions. The Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord takes him on this crazy journey and he starts seeing all these different visions. Well, the context for the uh, chapter 47 where we're at right now is the Bible says that this angel of the Lord takes Ezekiel to the temple. So he's having this vision and he goes into this big, beautiful temple. And back then, you got to understand, the temple was the church, but there were very specific things. There was an outer court, an inner court, and a holy of holies. And I'm not trying to get into all the things. All you need to know is that the holy of holies was where the glory of God was. And not just anybody could go in there. The Ark of the Covenant would have been housed in there. A lot of things that had been used in other miracles past people was in that room. And if random people just walked in there, it would kill them because the glory of God was so strong in the room. Well, the Bible says that the angel of the Lord takes Ezekiel through the temple and he sees this whole area and they take him outside and they notice that there's this water coming out from the temple. This water is flowing from that place where the glory is. The Bible says that the Lord walks with Ezekiel and he takes him out a little ways and the water has grown and now it's ankle deep. And then they go a little farther and it's knee deep. They'll go a little farther and it's waist deep. Until eventually Ezekiel can't stand in it because the water is so tall. And I want to pick up, this is chapter 47 and verse 12. They go back to where the water empties into the river. And listen to this. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Well, the reason that that matters is the Bible says that where the water pours out is at the Dead Sea. A massive body of salt water. That's not just salt water. This thing to this day is nasty. And stuff can't live there. But it says fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. And every month they will bear fruit. Every month of the year. Because the water flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. Have you ever read the Old Testament and you get into some of these places like in Leviticus or something and they're reading all these laws and you're like, oh my goodness, if I, if I hear another random law or if somebody's dad who was somebody's dad who was somebody's dad who was somebody's dad and all the names that you can't pronounce or this building was this many cubits by that many cubits and it had this here and you're like, what in the world is a cubit, right? Okay. The part that I skipped through in this passage is the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord took Ezekiel a thousand cubits, and it was an ankle deep. He took him another thousand cubits, and it was knee deep, until they've walked almost a mile. 
How many of us come to church for an hour and get bored and ready to go home? And this dude, in a vision, walks a mile before he even gets to the place where the water turns dead things to life. See, the two important things that our denomination did that happened at every revival is a desire that wants it so bad that you don't care who gets the credit and a willingness to give up whatever it looks like to be able to experience the glory of God. Living water doesn't just show up in the Old Testament, it shows up again in the New Testament. In John chapter four, there's a story where Jesus has been doing his thing. He's ministering all over the place. People are getting healed all over the place and they go from town to town. And the Bible says that they're going from one town to the other, but they have to pass through Samaria to get there. And there's a ton of context for why that matters, but I'm going to skip it for tonight. Jesus gets to Samaria and he sends the disciples in to go grab some groceries and he hangs out outside the town at this massive well. And the Samaritan woman comes up and if you know the story, he says, get me some water, please. And she says, why are you talking to me? It's a whole dramatic situation. And eventually he says, if you knew who was asking you for water, you would ask me for water. Why? In verse 11, Jesus, or verse 13 of chapter 4, Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Have you ever heard the scriptures that taste and see that the Lord is good? There is a spring of living water. Turn to your neighbor and say, I want some of that. You may not even be sure that you really do. Go ahead and talk yourself into it. <laughs> I need some of that. I need different than where I've settled. Everybody in the room. Y'all, I work in full-time ministry. And I still find myself longing You're in the room and you're going, man, if I could just get married. Dear God, if I could just get married. Somebody wants to shout amen and they didn't. Go ahead, say amen. If I could just get married, right, everything would be easier. If the Lord would send my spouse, everything would just be wonderful. If I could get that job, good grief, I'm tired of flipping burgers, right? If I could just get that job, everything would be okay. If I could just get that raise, everything would be okay. My God. Ah. Some of y'all wish if I could just get there. I hate to break it to you, fam, but I prayed those prayers. I have the job I dreamed of. I have a spouse that I never could have imagined how much God was going to bless me with. I have a truck that I love. If you were to go down the things... That you're like, oh, if I had this, if I had this, if I had that, if I had those. And hear me, I'm not bragging. I've got drama that you don't know nothing about. But you can go down the line and say, if I had this, 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 everything would be okay. I bet you I have the majority of the things that you would check off off that list. And I still find myself getting up in the morning and going, dear God, I need you to move. My goodness, Lord, I need you to move. Because the stuff just doesn't satisfy. That's going to come and it's going to go. And there is nothing that compares to what I felt in that service at 19, 20 years old when that little boy prayed for the first time since his brother had died. 
When the Holy Spirit showed up in a way that wrecked me, I cried in the back of that room and I said, God, whatever it looks like, you can have it all. And I remember 1920, I was like, God, I'll be single the rest of my life. I'll quit leading worship. I'll change whatever, you change whatever you want to do. If you'll let me stay in moments like this, I don't care if I'm preaching or not, just let me be in the room. Let me be close to the general vicinity of where the anointing is, where the revival is. I need more. Turn to your neighbor and say, I need more. Whoo. How many of you have ever given blood before? Because I've got a story that's about to mess you up. I don't plan on making anybody queasy, but I got to tell you this story. I went for the first time two weeks ago to give plasma. How many of my, my college student brothers are like, yeah, bro, that's how I paid for college, right? Like you, you're there, you're ahead of me. You totally understand. I went for the first time to give plasma. I was all about it. I was there. It was going to be fine. The nurses or my pre-med people in the room, you're going to laugh at this. You're going to laugh at this. The, see what had happened was, right? See what had happened was. I went on a Saturday and that is a massive mistake because everybody in Knoxville is trying to make a little side money on a Saturday. So I stood in line forever. And on the first time you go, you gotta watch this video and you gotta sign your life away in order to even go into the place. And then they've gotta check all your vitals and you gotta have a conversation and it was a whole situation. I got up that morning at like nine o'clock. I ate a good hefty breakfast. I, listen, I even I made myself a peanut butter jelly sandwich to go along with the breakfast that I had had because I was like, I'm going to get some protein from the peanut butter. I'm going to get some sugar from the jelly. I'm going to be fine. I'm going to get up in there and I'm totally going to be fine. I've given blood a bunch of times. I was, I was like, we, we got this. We've got this. I get there and the lady says, oh, no, I skipped a part. I tried to leave the house and I couldn't find my social security card. And they want you to have 37 proofs of identification before you could go into this program. Oh, my gosh. So I finally I found a way to work around that. It was totally fine. But I get there at like 10, 30, 11 o'clock after I'd eaten breakfast at nine. So we're already not looking good. I get there, I go inside and she says, yes, that's great. Scan this QR code and you watch this 45 minute video and then you can get started. I'm like, oh my gosh. So forever goes by. Now it's noon. And I'm like, I'm here. I'm, I'm getting that dough, right? I'm not leaving here until you give me whatever money you're gonna give me at this point. I'm so committed. By the time they get through and they do my vitals and everything is through, it is 1.45. And I sit down at the table and I told the lady, I'm like, I'm fine. I'm totally, yeah, I'm fine. She goes, you feel good? Like, when did you eat? I was like, I ate a little while ago, but I ate a pretty hefty breakfast. I'm totally fine. I'm just ready for that cup of coffee in a little bit when I get out of here. And I'm like, banter, right? Just trying to get my way through here. It's totally going to be fine. <laughs> I'd managed to get all the way through. If you don't know how this works, here is the Pastor Caleb version of how this works. And again, all my pre-med people, I'm just not going to make eye contact with you. But basically what this does is it takes the blood out of you, it separates the plasma from it, and it puts it back. And it just does this cycle. And it goes through it a bunch of times until they give the amount that they told you you were going to give. And it takes 45 minutes to an hour. I got all the way to the end. I'm looking at this bottle. I'm like, I filled that sucker up. I'm like, I'm making big money today. Like, that's what's going through my head. I'm like, baby, we eating good tonight. Like, that's where my head is at. We get to the very end, and I'm done, and I realize, I can't see so good. And this nurse walked by, and I said, nurse, I'm about to pass out. I didn't, hear, I didn't say I don't feel so good. I said, you're about to lose me, girl. You better, you better come on. And I kid you not, she goes, nurse! Like, they're not everybody needed to know. This nurse runs over here. She took this magazine and she's going. 
ice pack behind my head, ice pack on my chest, and my nurse people were like, that's good, she did the right thing. Do you know what she did right after that? She brought me a massive ice-cold Gatorade. And as soon as I got to where I could see again, I started drinking the Gatorade. I was gone. I, like, I didn't completely go away, but I was blacked out, blacked out. I couldn't tell you who was around me or what was happening. I was about to start praying in the Holy Ghost and scare everybody in the building. <laughs> Maybe that was what the Lord wanted. I was supposed to just testify, and I didn't do it. But anyway, <laughs> he'll forgive me. It'll be fine. I'll go back sometime. I'll get another try at this. <laughs> so I, get, I come to, and I'm totally fine, and I'm sitting there drinking this Gatorade. And I'm like, I'm totally going to be good. We're good. From that point on, I was fine. I went and got my, we did eat good that night. We went out and ate that night and it was great. It was totally fine. But I had to get hydrated again before I could do anything. They wouldn't let me get up until I finished that Gatorade. I couldn't hardly walk until I got my life back together, came to my senses and got hydrated again. This system takes it out of you and puts it back in you and takes it out of you and puts it back in you. And this is how we live life. You go to work and it takes it out of you. You come in here on a Thursday and you get it back. You go to school tomorrow and you're like, I hate every one of y'all. And I know I shouldn't hate nobody, but the Lord going to have to help me, right? Like that's what's going through your head. And like, I will fight every last one of you people. And then you come on Sunday morning, right? You start feeling a little good. Start feeling a little better. It gives and it takes and it gives, and it takes. And you can keep playing the game if you want to, but as for me and my household, I'm going to drink the Gatorade. As for me and my household, I'm going to come to the living water and drink of it as often as I can. Because the Bible says in the Gospel of John that the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came that we could have life and have it abundantly. So excuse me while I take a sip of water. I'm not doing the in-between anymore. It's right in front of us. It's accessible. It's something that we can come to and we can have. And we can blame it on church hurt. We can blame it on drama. We can get frustrated at pastors and individuals that didn't do their job or whatever you want to say about it. But there is living water that is ready and accessible whenever you want it. Jump to Ezekiel chapter 37. This is 10 chapters before where we were. It's the same guy. The same guy now has a completely different vision. In this vision, the Bible says that the Lord took Ezekiel out into this valley of dry bones. It's just this wild desert, and he's looking around, and what used to be an army, tons and tons of people, is now just bones laying around. And the Lord asks Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel, like I would hope most of us would say, is like, uh, maybe. <laughs> he says, uh, only you know, <laughs> right? That's the right answer, just in case you're wondering. Only you would know. But then listen to what the Lord says in response. He says, son of man, can these bones live? I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. And then he said to me, prophesy to these bones. And say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. And I love that he doesn't just leave it there. He's specific. I will attach tendons to you 
and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. I'm telling you, I felt it when you walked in here tonight. I've mentioned it already. There was a blick, and you can quote me on that. There was a blick that followed y'all in here tonight. But God can breathe life into completely dead things like that. You can taste of living water and absolutely everything change in one moment. Our denomination is founded on something that wasn't trying to make people famous, that wasn't trying to sell a lot of books and CDs and whatever. It had nothing to do with tithe dollars. It had nothing to do with anything. It was simply just, hey, what if we just all come together and we give up whatever we need to give up because I want to experience the glory of God. And I'm reading about this water. Ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, fam, I am diving in. And if you heard Stephen Curtis Chapman playing in your head right now, you were raised right. There is more for you tonight. Yosef, you've been sitting there a minute. Come here, bro. You've been sitting there a while. And, uh, yeah, I know you need to stretch a little bit. Well, with COVID and everything, I ain't trying to share my water with you. But you look thirsty. You look like it's been, uh, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. And if I could be honest, I think you represent a lot of the people. Some of them were grossed out when I said, ah. so I'll do it again just to really make it awkward. Ah. But you represent a group of people tonight. Um that just heard me talk for a hot minute about living water. Um, and I have an opportunity as your pastor to give a glass of water. Hey, did y'all hear about that UT game last week? We gave Alabama a go there for a second. Like I really thought it might happen. It didn't happen. And then I had to repent afterwards because I was very frustrated that it didn't happen. I think I kicked the ottoman in the living room. I was very frustrated that it didn't happen. <laughs> I'm sorry, bro. I'm, I'm sorry, bro. I shouldn't do it. I'm telling you what, I'm, I'm probably going to hit cookout in a minute. We used to go every week and it was phenomenal. And I still get the same thing. I get a burger with just bacon and ketchup. But then I get onion rings and fries. Now my wife likes the fries with the Cajun spice and they often mix them up or put them on both and that's very disappointing to me because then I can't get what I want. Alright, I'm sorry. I'm not going to do that to you anymore. Stop trying to steal my water. That's my water. The Lord gave me that lot. This is the one that you're waiting on. Can you make some noise for the worship team though? Because they've been really killing it. And my heart is very full. <laughs> so here's the deal, Yosef. The water jug isn't mine and it was never intended for me to pour the glass for you so get yourself some water because you're you're not going to find a place in scripture where the bible says go to the pastor to get you a glass of water you can go to timothy and you can see if any is sick among you go to the elders of the church that they can lay hands on you and you can be healed. But this is a one-way straight that's between you and Jesus and Jesus is the Holy Spirit baptizer. 
Tonight, I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what you've walked through even in the last few days, but you can have as much as God as you want. And it has little to nothing to do with me. It has little to nothing to do with what denomination you grew up in or where you are from. Nobody can get you to living water except Jesus. If you'll stand with me across the room, eyes closed, heads bowed. We're gonna take a few minutes and I'm, I'm gonna encourage you in a minute when I finish praying to find a spot in the room that's different than where you are. It may be kneeling at your seat. It may be coming to the altar or in the back of the room or something. I want to encourage you to move. Why? Because like I said, there's something about a physical motion that's like, man, God, you can have whatever you want. If it makes me uncomfortable for a minute because I don't want somebody to see me bow and pray, I don't care. You can have whatever you want because I got to have this. I'm done being depressed. I'm done being anxious. I'm done with the half in, half out nonsense. I want the Holy Ghost. And some of you don't have a clue what that looks like. That's totally okay. Ask for it anyway. He is the giver of life, and there is living water for you here tonight. So with eyes closed and nobody looking around, if you say, Caleb, I have been thirsty for a long time and not even really realized that that's what it was, but I've got to have some. I've got to have whatever God wants for me to have. I need living water. If that's you tonight, would you throw a hand up? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus hands up all through the house. God, we need you. We don't have the answers. I don't have the answers. But Holy Spirit, I know that you are here and I know that you can transform our lives. So I ask that you would. So as our prayer team members come down to the altar, if there's anything that you would specifically like prayer for, that you need to confess, you need to get straight on something, or you need God to, to come together with a, a friend or a family member to pray with you against anxiety, fear, whatever it may be, we would love to pray with you. But I want to encourage you to find a space in this room that is different than where you are, where you can make it just you and Jesus and receive whatever he has for you tonight. God, I ask that you will pull your spirit on all, on all flesh like you prophesied. That tonight you would move through the inadequate words of a preacher. That you would do a work that only you can do and that you would have your way in this house. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.